0: Hello, Green Team members, we are back this weekend with a new podcast. Today we're going to be talking about climate change. Sounds generic? Well, stay tuned to listen to the science behind it, as well as some common misconceptions about climate change. Let's welcome Mr. Glass, who will be leading the podcast. Hello. Hi, Mr. So um, could you tell us what makes you qualified to speak about the climate change?
1: Okay, well, well, first of all, I would like to say that, you know, climate change is really complicated, and I, I did study environmental science. That's where my degree is. There are certainly people in the world who are more qualified to talk about it than I am, but I did, you know, there were meteorology courses. I teach AP environmental science. I keep up to date on the, the research. So, I mean, I don't, I'm not an expert in all of the details, but I, I do keep up with, and am familiar with the general concept and all the parts of it for climate change. So um, I feel like I'm moderately qualified to talk about climate change.
2: So can you give us like a brief explanation about what is climate change?
1: Well, I'll try to keep it brief. Like I said, it's very complicated, Um, but first of all, um, the climate on earth is a description of what the weather is like in an entire year. So it isn't just what the weather is like on one day. Is it hot or cold? It's what the pattern of the weather is throughout an entire year. And that's because in a year, the Earth goes around the sun and different parts of the Earth have different weather throughout that year. So when we talk about climate change, we're not talking about it being hotter or colder one day. We're talking about the pattern of the temperature in an entire year changing. and how does it change or why does it change? Well, when we look at the climate history, we know that it has changed a lot in the past. And in fact, it's, it's gone up and down a lot over the millions and billions of years of Earth's history. Um, so we do know that the climate does change. Um, the climate also refers to the, the weather, which is the temperature of the atmosphere. And that's the really important part in understanding climate change is that the atmosphere has an average temperature Um, that temperature is um, the heat energy that comes from the sun but the energy coming from the sun doesn't directly heat up the atmosphere Um, it heats up the earth and then the earth radiates that energy back out towards space but as it's radiating away from the earth it gets absorbed by the atmosphere or some of that heat gets absorbed by the atmosphere. So climate change is just different amounts of energy being absorbed out by the earth and captured by the atmosphere. When it's colder, there's less energy being captured by the atmosphere. And when it gets hotter, there's more energy being captured by the atmosphere. So when we say climate change, that's just referring to the fact that it changes. It could be getting hotter or colder. If we're gonna say things like global warming, then that means that it's climate change, but getting hotter. And that's what we're seeing right now, where more of the energy being radiated away from the earth is being captured in the atmosphere. And that's what the concern is, what we would call the crisis, that we are doing things to the atmosphere that are causing it to retain more of that heat. So I don't know if that was a good explanation. I mean, there's a lot more detail, but that's the general idea.
3: I think that was on point mister but what about the idea you know the concept of greenhouse gases you know we get bombarded about this by social media so like like are they the main cause of climate change and how are they influential
1: okay great so so like i said the heat gets trapped by the atmosphere it's not even really trapped it's just that when there are more greenhouse gases in the atmosphere, it takes longer for that heat to get through the atmosphere and escape out into space. Um, if you think about it, like the earth heats up and the only way for that heat to leave the surface of the earth is out into space. But the atmosphere surrounds the earth so that heat has to go through the atmosphere. If um, there's stuff in the atmosphere that makes that path more difficult and it takes longer for that heat to get out, And so on average, there's just more heat kind of in the atmosphere and you see a gradual increase in temperature. Um, Now, greenhouse gases are not nearly what most of the atmosphere is made of. Most of the atmosphere is made of um, oxygen and nitrogen, and those are not greenhouse gases. Um, They're not greenhouse gases because the heat um, doesn't really get absorbed by those molecules. It kind of just deflects off of them. So it barely gets slowed down by oxygen and nitrogen. But there are other gases in the atmosphere like carbon dioxide, methane and others that have a molecular structure that is such that when that heat interacts with the molecule instead of just deflecting off of it, it gets absorbed by that molecule and that molecule actually heats up. So basically that the heat is kind of stopping there and no longer is traveling through the atmosphere, but it is now retained in that molecule. And that molecule will eventually emit that heat again, but that process just slows the path down, so it takes longer. So those greenhouse gases are a very small percent of what's in the atmosphere, but they're important because they do a lot of the work in retaining that heat. Now, um, so, and that's the problem, is because there are a lot of human activities that release those gases, and that's where the concern comes from. Now, there are other things that also affect the climate beyond just um, how many greenhouse gases are in the atmosphere. There are um, things that have to do with the relationship between the Earth and the sun and the the type of orbit that the Earth has, which changes over thousands of years. There are also solar cycles that can affect um, the amount of heat that we're getting. But those aren't what what concerns us, because those are kind of a natural process that's been going on, cycling through for millions of years. The concern is that we are putting a lot of greenhouse gases into the atmosphere very quickly right now, and it's um scary what that could do to the system.
0: Well, now that you mentioned the word natural, um, so I wanted to ask what your opinion would be on the claim that climate change is a natural thing, and it has been going on. For a long time which you agreed to in the beginning and therefore we shouldn't worry about it great
1: well i like that question because um, you know a lot of times we tend to think that natural is a synonym for good as though anything that were natural we should just let happen because that's how it's supposed to but um i mean if you just stop and think about it for a second there are a lot of things in nature that are not good for us <laughs> that like don't you know You know, like everything that we've built here on earth has been in like to the goal of making it easier for us to live here if we just let nature take over you know that's going to make it a lot harder for us to live and that is the concern so so just because climate change is natural you know i'm not sure why that should be the thing that makes you decide if we should do something about it or not you know i mean just because like, it's still gonna get hotter. It's still gonna make it harder to live. So even if it weren't our fault, you'd still think we'd wanna do something about it. But again, you know, just because it's happened in the past doesn't mean it's not our fault. You can think of a lot of examples of things that have happened in the past, and then you could start to do something that makes it happen. You can't point to the past and be like, oh, it's happened before, so it's not my fault, you know? Um, So we kind of need to separate that out. the climate change that's happened in the past has been kind of gradual; um, it never happens very quickly. And what we're seeing now is a very quick change compared to what has happened in the past, and that is the cause for concern. So, so yeah, I mean, you know, nobody nobody is saying that the climate has not changed in the past, but it's just not a very convincing argument to say that we shouldn't do anything about it just because it's changed in the past.
2: So you know the whole thing about natural selection and how organisms adapt to their environments. Do you think that it, like following the process of climate change and global global warming the organisms right here on, on Earth would adapt enough to survive and not need to do something about it?
1: That's an excellent point. Um, and in fact, like before answering that question, like a lot of human history, like the ch- the major changes in human history, have correlated to changes in the environment. Um, the theory being, you know, uh, you know, the climate changed, and that changed our behavior, and that brought forth like a new kind of stage in human history. And of course, yes, um, you know, the, the climate's always been changing, and there were a lot of major changes to the structure of the species that live on Earth that correlate to um, Changing climate. In fact, the most famous one is the um, asteroid that killed the dinosaurs. Um, A common misconception there is people might think that the asteroid, like the explosion from the asteroid, killed the dinosaurs. Um, And it certainly did kill any of the ones that were near where the asteroid hit. But the reason the dinosaurs went extinct, even on the other side of the planet, is because the asteroid knocked so much debris, like dust and dirt, up into the atmosphere that it changed the climate. It blocked the sun from being able to warm up the Earth as much as normal. The temperature dropped a whole lot. And a lot of the, um, a lot of the plants that the dinosaurs depended on to sustain their large bodies couldn't grow as much. And they, and they starved over many years after the asteroid hit. So there is an example of climate change and the dinosaurs not being able to adapt to the change in climate. However, at that time, there were only a few very small mammal species that had evolved at that point, but because it got cooler and the mammals were better adapted to a cooler temperature, um, that asteroid impact was actually very good for mammals and they um, kind of thrived after the extinction of dinosaurs. You know, in a way, we have that asteroid impact to thank for humans evolving. So, yes, some species will benefit from um, an increasing temperature. Some will go extinct. You know, like that's how evolution works. So not all the species are going to adapt. Some of them will, will thrive and some of them will go extinct.
3: Interesting, since people think climate change will cause mass extinction and everything disappearing, so talking about that, like, what's a common misconception, you know, the one people most, mostly have? OK,
1: I mean, there are probably so many misconceptions here, and I'm not always up to date on what, you know, what people are saying or, you know, what the misconceptions are. Um, you know, back when I was learning about it, I think one of the common misconceptions was that it's hotter now than it's ever been. Like, the temperature right now is hotter than ever, and that's why we know we're causing climate change it's actually not that hot right now because we have been in a period that has been relatively cool in fact you know when the when the dinosaurs were around it was much hotter here but they're cold-blooded reptiles so they did well in that hot temperature uh, the concern is not that it's hotter than it's ever been the concern is that kind of the slope the rate at which the temperature is increasing is steeper than we can put than we can notice anywhere in the climate history. So it's not, it's not the absolute temperature, it's the rate at which it's going up that is concerning. Um, and that's for the people who are arguing for climate change. Um, the arguments that I always heard against climate change were that um, you know it's not really that much CO2 that we're putting into the environment and there are natural processes like volcanoes that put just as much. So we're not really doing anything more than nature would normally do. And you know, maybe once upon a time, you could make that argument, but every year, like if you look at the rate that we consume fossil fuels, especially as many countries um, modernize, become industrialized and start burning their own coal for electricity, like the rate just keeps going up and up every year. And it has long since gone way past what the natural rate of CO2 being put into the atmosphere is. Um, do you guys have any that you think that you've heard or you're not sure if they're true or they're misconceptions?
0: I I wanted to clarify on the, on the basic one that it's planting trees will help save the environment. But I've also read many, many articles that say that that is a misconception. So could you clarify that?
1: Well, I mean, you know, photosynthesis uses CO2 to create glucose, right? That's how plants do it. Um, I think that a misconception would be that just by planting trees, we can solve the problem. Because nature, um, you know, this is gonna get into like the more like nitty gritty details about why we actually know that this is a problem. It's because, because nature finds an equilibrium, right? Like before we were here, there was an equilibrium, more or less the temperature went up and down over thousands or millions of years, but it never went way off in one direction. And also, like, with the carbon cycle and where the carbon is in the environment, you find an equilibrium. There are as many plants as there is carbon and water for them to grow in the atmosphere. Um, you could try to plant more trees, they'll, they'll absorb carbon, but, you know, like, trees grow anyway. Um, so. It would take a very concerted effort to not only get all those trees to grow but then to keep them alive to make sure they have the water um like there's got to be better ways than just planting trees and walking away um if you're going to stay if you're going to like you know make a real effort to plant all the trees make sure they keep growing you know it will definitely help but at the end of the day, it's the problem isn't a lack of trees. The problem is too much CO two being put into the environment that's breaking the balance.
2: So also, there's like this belief now that everyone, as an individual, like using uh, metal straws, for example, can make like such an impact. Is it hands of the people who use a plastic straw, or is someone more to blame?
1: Right. Good question too. I think this gets more into like the social aspect of things. I think there's two things going on here. One is that, you know, as individuals, we look at a society, we look at a planet with 8 billion people and we kind of get this feeling like we can't make a difference. And in a way that's true. Like we're just one person. Like I could, I could stop using carbon completely go camp in the woods or something but like that's not going to change what what humanity is doing right but you know we are human beings we have emotions and like you know we want to feel like we're working in the right direction so you know if you stop using plastic bags if you buy a more fuel efficient car if you ride your bike when you can if you use metal straws like you're not that's not going to solve the problem but it will solve the problem of you feeling bad about climate change, right? And I mean, that is a real problem. Like, it, like there's no, it's good to reduce your carbon footprint, but like, we need all of humanity to reduce its carbon footprint. And like, you doing it is a step in the right direction, but it's not a solution, right? And then the other thing is that a lot of the, a lot of the, um you know, the way media works today, like, there are a lot of powerful institutions on earth that are able to kind of mold the direction of the conversations in the media and um you know they can how do i say this um carefully they can um put it out there that as individuals like we should be concerned with what we're doing when in fact it is the largest most powerful institutions that are contributing the most to climate change the you know the places where electricity is being created where the food processes are being created like like the individual isn't the one who's making all the carbon it's these very large um, you know industries and organizations that are producing very large amounts of things that we need like energy and food but that's where the problem is so they're kind of In a way, they're also trying to deflect the attention away from them and put it onto us as individuals, which is something that we need to be very aware of that, you know, we don't need to feel as guilty as they should about what's going on.
3: Okay. Do you think like there's a solution for climate change? Will there ever be a solution? Because we have heard many people saying that we're doomed to extinction.
1: Well, I think that, you know, like we've talked about it a little bit in like in the adaptation part, you know I kind of started to answer this question but um, before getting on to if we'll adapt to climate change we need to talk about what climate science is in general. Um, like, I, like as I said, it isn't hotter than it's ever been. The concern from climate scientists is about the sudden rate at which the temperature and the level of CO2 is increasing. And those increases are unprecedented in the climate history. Like there's really nothing in the climate history to compare to what we are currently doing to the environment, to the atmosphere. So what the problem becomes is that it becomes hard to even predict what exactly is going to happen as we put carbon dioxide into the atmosphere so fast. So, um, you know, it is, It could be a slow, gradual increase in temperature that just makes human society more difficult gradually over the decades um, with the poorer, more vulnerable populations suffering more and the more affluent um, parts of human society really not seeing much effect at all. That's one possible route this could take. We could hit a feedback cycle where the temperature starts to go up very quickly and there's really nothing we can do about it. And then that would be an existential threat to humanity. And the reality is, at this point, it's just too complicated to say for sure which of those directions it's going to go. Right. So if it's a slow change, there will still be problems. Um, You know, lots of people will suffer. There will be massive economic damage. But you know, humans are resilient and we will evolve, develop technologies, adapt the way we organize our society. And you would think that we would find some way to make it through. Um, On the other hand, if it gets out of control very quickly, then that could be very dangerous to our existence, yes. But um, you know, that's the future and scientists try to help us predict the future. But when it comes right down to it, nobody can really predict the future, especially with something as complicated as the climate, so I guess we'll have to wait and see.
0: Uh, you mentioned corporations. Is there a way in which we can specifically affect them to like, kind of like obligate them to act in a way that we could, like in favor of us?
1: Yeah, I mean, when it comes right down to it, corporations are in the business of giving us what we want, right? They need to sell us stuff and we need to buy it. so. Um, you know, you can vote for people who will regulate corporations, but a good way is also just to vote with, like, especially how I said that, you know, if you're, those of us who are more affluent are going to have a larger impact on the environment because we can buy more stuff and we can demand more goods and services. So um, we have our vote, you know, in some countries we vote more often than in others, but, and our vote matters more, but we also vote with our dollar. We vote with how we spend our money. Um, you know, corporations will change their behavior when it's profitable for them to do so. Right. So, you know, um, research the things that you buy, figure out um, how to buy things that, you know, have been made in a way that is more carbon neutral. Don't buy things that you don't need. That kind of thing is probably our best bet as individuals to, to really have a positive influence because like, I don't think like you know, corporations, I, I can't believe that there are people sitting in corporations just like reveling in destroying the environment. Like they don't wanna destroy the environment. What they wanna do is they want to make a profit for their shareholders. And to do that, they need to sell stuff. And to sell stuff, they need to make stuff. And to make stuff, they need energy and that's where the contribution of the carbon comes from right so um, there might be a few humans who enjoy destroying the environment but like the damage to the environment is you know coincidental to what the corporations are doing which is just trying to turn a profit right so if we can if we can make being more environmentally friendly profitable to them then that's what they'll do but you got to figure out a way to make that happen
2: and what about going to another planet like some people talk about making life in in another planet as a possible solution once we ruin this planet too much so should that even be considered as a solution or is it just like pure imagination
1: well um you know if you like science you like the idea of humans going to another planet right like all science fiction has that and We humans have this kind of need for exploration. So there is a desire to go to another planet. However, when it comes right down to it, the effort that it would take to move humanity to a different planet would be millions of times greater than the effort it would take to just preserve our own atmosphere so that we can live here. You know, of all the places in the universe that we know of like the atmosphere around this planet is far and away the best place for us to live and that's because we evolved in it so we're evolved to live here um you know so like the amount of energy it would take to create an earth-like condition somewhere else would be far more than the amount of energy it would take to just keep earth livable for us right so i think you know like it has to make sense that the priority should be to just like you know protect what we what already works for us instead of trying to start over somewhere else, right? Not that we shouldn't try, like, you know, exploring another planet, that's great, but that's for a different reason. It shouldn't be our, like, survival plan, I don't think. Well, and that's, um, there's this concept that has been around for a long time called Spaceship Earth where, you know, you imagine that
0: instead of living on a planet,
1: you're a member of a small crew on a spaceship that is just, like, on a long journey through space. Like everything you need is in that spaceship, like all your food, all your water, you have to grow it. You know, you, all your atmosphere is there, all your oxygen is there. So you would be very, very careful with all of those systems because if any of them stop working, like if whatever's making your food stops growing, you'll starve to death. Whatever's making the water stops working, you'll dehydrate. If the oxygen production goes away, you'll suffocate. So you'd be very careful with all your systems, right? because your life depends on them. Well, in a way, you can think of the Earth as a spaceship, right? Floating through space. Like, it's all we have. There's nothing outside of Earth that will come and save us. Like, we have to, you know, like, this is it. This is the only thing that will sustain us. So if we destroy all of its systems, then there's nothing left to sustain us, so.
2: So uh, essentially, that solution would be like the plot of Wally. Like uh, living, everyone is fed in the space and like living in a spaceship.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we could build a spaceship to live in, but like, I mean, if you think about wall that would be a very small percentage of the population that would get to go live in that spaceship, right? And I mean, I guess like, if you're talking about um, a scenario where it isn't that we want to move all of humanity somewhere, it's just we want to preserve some seed of humanity, then sure we could try to start a colony somewhere. And even though life on earth goes extinct, there's still a small colony out there somewhere that could like, so humanity could survive, maybe. But if you wanna like preserve humanity like, like it is, right? Like with a large planet with billions of people in a modern society, then it's best to do that here. Yeah. Okay. I have
2: another question that kind of goes off what is currently the topic, but you know how you have factories releasing like um smoke to the air and everything. So is all that contaminating the atmosphere like proportionately divided? Does it all like um in the atmosphere?
1: Okay, like, right. What, what I think period? I yeah, I think you wanna like is is um, the greenhouse effect stronger where there are more factories? Is that yes. your question? Yes. Okay. No, um, it, it disperses into the atmosphere. The, like you can look at, you can carefully look at a map of CO2 concentrations in the atmosphere and see differences, right? So yeah, there are differences because it's dispersing, but it's in the process of dispersing. But more importantly, the atmosphere moves around, and where the heat is moves around also. So like the part that's warming up doesn't necessarily, necessarily correlate to where there are slightly higher concentrations of CO2. It's not like CO2 is hot or something, right? It's not like the CO2 is, has some property that it is hotter. It's just that on time, on average over time, less heat can escape the earth, so there's more heat in the atmosphere so that means that the average temperature goes up now on a given day the temperature goes up and down throughout the year there are seasons the temperature is always fluctuating so so that comes back to this idea of you can't see climate change happening like on a given day in a given loc- location it's a slow gradual change over many years so so you do see slight differences in co2 concentration from place to place but you don't see that necessarily correlating to the changes in temperature
0: so could you tell us if we should be pessimistic or optimistic
1: well thanks um you know i i realized that some of what i said might have sounded a little pessimistic but i think we should always you know wrap up the discussion on an optimistic note and i think that um you know especially for the younger generation out there i have great hope because when i was your age even though the science looked pretty clear that climate change was a thing that we were doing and it was dangerous there was a lot of resistance to it and even people who i thought you know were pretty rational on other topics would really they would deny climate change without much reason behind their denial but like i see a younger generation that that really like seems to understand what's happening or understands that it is happening. So like that's the first step is you know when there's a problem, it's noticing that there is a problem. The next step is doing something about it. But the fact that your guys' generation seems to notice that it's a problem for me is a great sign of hope. Um, and there are solutions. And like I said before, the solution might not just be some magical technology that solves all your problems. It might be a combination of making better technology and changing the way that you guys live your life like you know what the expectations are for the amount of energy you can consume and the kinds of food that you can eat and you combine that with some better technology and there's every reason to think that there is a path forward um it's not a guarantee it might take a lot of hard work but i think you guys and your generation are on the right track it's just you know Human history has been full of challenges, and this is another challenge that we need to overcome.
0: Thank you so much, Mr. Glass, for the last words of inspiration and hope. I really think the podcast was very interesting and informational. We thank our listeners for choosing our podcast. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at underscore Green Team Club. This was the Green Team podcast on climate change. Ariana, Ale, and Jorge. Bye.